the great Bruce Hamburger returns in this week's episode of the Greatest Games Podcast to tell us about his current situation, and we take a deep dive into the business of college basketball. This is an excellent episode. We can't wait to get to it. But before we get there, a couple of reminders. Check out the Competitive Mindset Podcast wherever you find your podcast. Billy Kegler, a former guest on the Greatest Games Podcast, has that podcast. Again, the Competitive Mindset Podcast. It is an excellent, excellent listen. Billy, keep up the great work over there. And if you haven't done it already, check out teachhoops.com slash 816basketball for incredible coaching resources from the incredible Steve Collins, and you can still donate to our boy, Takuma Letsum, during his fight with ALS. If you visit our Twitter page, at 816basketball, you will find a pinned tweet there with more information on how you can donate and help Tack in his fight. Enjoy this episode with the great Bruce Hamburg. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here, as always, on the Greatest Games Podcast, a chance for us to catch up with coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a college coach, a high school coach, or even the third repeat guest on the Greatest Games Podcast. Yeah, you know what? It, it, we we need to start a leaderboard uh, for former guests that are coming back, and uh, so this now is is the return of the great Bruce Hamburger, who was on uh, episode number one hundred and fourteen. This is number episode number one twenty, but he joined us back on May the fifth. He was then the Fairley Dickinson Associate Men's Basketball Coach, and now he is coming back here to talk about uh, his status in the game right now. And we're going to talk, we're going to take a deep dive in the business of coaching and looking for jobs. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to the great Bruce Hamburger. Welcome back to the show, coach. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate you having me on again. Absolutely. So coach, let's get right into it. When, when you're looking to change jobs or, or, um, things happen at a, at a university and, uh, what's the first thing do you do? I, I know this sounds like a silly question. Do you, do you have a resume? Do you type up a resume or do you, do you know enough people that you start making phone calls? How does that work? Yeah, I, I do have a resume. I guess, I guess you start the resume after you panic a little bit and say, what the, what the hell am I going to do? Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do. I mean, I can't speak for others, but no, I definitely do have a resume and, you know, clearly you, you need to update it and uh, change some of the dates and put an end date on, on the previous institution that you were at. And then it's just, you know, it's a process. And, and again, I, I don't think it's an exact one. I think everyone handles it differently, but, you know, for, I, I can obviously only speak for myself, but, you know, you, you kind of mentally, or at least I mentally kind of went through my mental Rolodex of, coaches, administrators, NBA people, who, who can help or who can give advice. And again, 90%, 95% of these calls that you make and people you reach out to, they're not going to give you a job. They don't have a job for you, you especially now after with the pandemic. I mean, there were very few, especially for assistants. I think most times this year, staffs were left intact unless an assistant went and got a head coaching job and then it was some transition. So, you know, not, a, not a ton of turnover this year. Um, you know, I think people with the pandemic and, and obviously everyone just 
hope to get through the season intact and healthy. And, you know, for, for, for most schools and a lot of coaches, you know, it was almost a free pass this year, you know, even in people who had bad years who were potentially, you know, in trouble with their, their jobs. Most people I think were, were kind of intact. So there's not a lot of turnover, but you're, you're just going through your connections and, and trying to semi connect the dots. If there is a job that's open that you think you may have opportunity, you know, who do I know? Maybe, you know, an assistant athletic director, maybe someone on the training or strength and conditioning staff that may have access to the head coach or the guy that got the job, you know, you're, you're trying to kind of go through all the, the rumors that you hear of, all right, this guy's involved, that guy's involved. Do, do I know someone? And, and, and then again, I think you're just trying to um, just mentally kind of regroup. You know, I, I think most times when, when coaches are let go, you don't really see it coming. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of caught by surprise a little bit. So, you know, you have to adjust quickly and there's, there's a ton of moving parts, you know, when, when, when is your last day at work? You know, what do you do with the HR department? You know, do I need to get a new cell phone? Do I need to get a new computer? Um, you know, in terms of if you're using the schools and you have to turn, turn those in at the end, um, and then how are you dealing with it internally? I mean, with, with your players, with your, you know, the kids on your team, if there were kids that you were recruiting. Um, so yeah, there, there's a ton of moving parts. I don't think there's an exact right way or wrong way. I think everyone has to deal with the, the, the situation that you're dealt with and, and, in your, your best way and how, how it fits your best, you know, be, how it best fits your personality. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a process to say the least. Coach, I don't know if you heard, there's an opening at Duke university. <laughs> the guy there, yeah, I think exactly. he's retiring. I mean, he's- yeah, yeah, no, he might, he might be, he, he's probably smarter than all of us. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's a lot to be said. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, he, he's a legend and, you know, I, I think, you know, as you get older too, it, that is kind of, you know, you, you do have to start thinking about that. Like when, it, when is enough enough and when is it time to get out? And, you know, I'm not there, I'm not even close to being there yet, but I could see, I mean, you know, I was watching a little bit of, of coach K's press conference the other day. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing, you know, what, what, he's done at the level he's done. I mean, I know the last time I was on, we were, we were talking about that game playing Duke in the, in the final four. And it's, it's incredible. Like how long ago that was and the level of success that he has continued to attain. Then you throw in the, the Olympic years, the summer. I mean, it, it's mind blowing what he's done. I mean, it'll never be replicated in my, in my opinion. They'll, they'll never be, you know, one, cause schools aren't having the patience with coaches like they did with, with him there, but it's, it's an incredible story, but yeah, I, I tried, I just, you know, they, they didn't return the call. So they joined a long list of people who haven't returned my call this spring. Well, coach, and, and, and I know we, we've talked a little bit before the show, you know, we're happy to hear, um, anything that you're willing to share about the, the, the situation that you are in now, but I, I'm, I'm certainly interested here. We are, we're recording this on June the 6th, this episode will post on June the 16th. Um, the, the process of, of, of looking for a job now here in late May, early June, 
um, where staffs may already be set. And I know there's still turnover. That carousel really never, never stops even leading up to the season. Um, but talk about that, that back end of the business, uh, the challenge that it is in a, on a normal time frame, but even now here, once the, now the recruiting is live here in, in June. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, usually jobs are opening before the final four in a normal traditional year. And, you know, my situation was later than that. So yeah, you're, you're a little bit from a timing standpoint behind the eight ball. Cause you know, most guys, I think when, when they, they know that they're involved in a job and, and often it comes up in the interview, you know, who, who are you thinking of hiring? Like, what's your staff, you know, who, who are you thinking about? So I, I, I think when guys know that, you know, they're in that final three or four for a specific job that they do have, you know, probably two thirds of their staff in mind, I would think just based on their connections and maybe they're bringing someone with them from the previous institution, or maybe, you know, they're keeping someone on staff that they know, or they're, or, you know, maybe they're told sometimes it occurs in an interview, Hey, you gotta, you gotta keep that guy on staff just for continuity and, keeping recruits and knowing it, knowing a new school, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there, there's, there's obviously a ton of moving parts and there, there's much more interest than there are jobs available. Um, and, 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 you know, you just balance out with, there's so many guys who, who were out of coaching this year, you know, who, who are trying to get their foot back in the door for coaching. So, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's definitely supply and demand and, and there's a heck of a lot more demand and supply. Uh, in terms of open jobs. So again, I think it's just, you know, you, you just have to, in my, my way is I, I just spoke to as many people and, and probably again, 75, 80% I knew could not help me necessarily, but it was one, I think you want to get it out there on your, on your own narrative and your own story of what happened. So there's no, you know, no gray areas because obviously people can spin stories how they want to spin stories about things. So I, I was trying to, one, let people know what happened, how it happened, and just put in their mind, hey, I'm out there. I'm looking, you know, maybe they talked to someone two steps removed that I wasn't even thinking about that doesn't have a job yet. But down the road, maybe something changes within their staff. So I, I think it's just speaking and again, for me, it was athletic directors, assistant ADs, NBA people that I know, media people that I know that, because again, you guys know as well as I do in, in this profession, everyone knows someone that knows someone. And it's a very, I don't know, the world of coaching is very almost like an incestuous, everyone's kind of tied in with someone else. And so, you know, that, that was kind of my initial approach. And then as, as I kind of I don't know, just gathered input. I, I had a document on my computer with every phone call and, and just if there were any bullet points about that call that I, I just kind of needed to keep a running log so I knew who I spoke to because I <laughs> probably the first two weeks, uh, I bet you I spoke to 60, 70 people. And, and if you're trying to go back and remember, did I talk to that guy? What did I tell that guy? And And, and then also from my perspective, I was telling a lot of, not a lot, but I, I was calling who I wanted to know from the high school ranks, coaches that I've dealt with uh, in Jersey's mostly, but some Philly guys I know, some New York guys I know that just, again, like, hey, here, here's the deal. Here's where I'm at. 
you know, just so you know, uh, you know, moving forward, because, you know, there's some some recruiting events coming up in June that I'm going to go to. And, you know, just if I don't have a job by then, I, I just want to be able to one see coaches in person. Can, and one of the best pieces of advice I got was like you, you the tendency is probably to kind of hang your head and lay low. But that's not good. Like, I, I don't I want to be out there. I want to be visible. I want to be seen, even though, again, it's, it's, you know, it's probably a little awkward. You're walking into a gym, you know, you're not wearing a polo that says anything. You're not representing a school, but, and, and you, you know, you probably, for a guy like myself, you know, 95% of the coaches who are there recruiting, um, but you still want to get out there and, and be seen and be visible and, and not hide. Cause I think, you know, this profession out of sight is out of mind many a time and you just need to, just need to be out there and kind of swallow your pride and just, you know, and kind of hope that you are able to get a job. And, and from, go, from going to some of these recruiting events, you, you have a, a working list and you're not kind of under the pressure that you would be. It's a different type if you're recruiting and you're, you know, you're watching a specific kid, a specific team here. And she can kind of just float around and see as many guys as possible. And again, network, it's almost like the final four. You're kind of, you know, instead of being in a hotel lobby, you're in the gym and you're just kind of bouncing around and it's not like, oh, at nine o'clock, I got to be on court two because I have to watch Johnny Jones and Johnny Jones needs to see me there. I can just kind of bounce around and do do my thing and see people and talk and watch basketball. So it's a it's a different it'll be a different type of recruiting event for sure. Coach, talk about I know we talked about on your first episode that you've had the unique ability to really coach in New Jersey your whole coaching life when evaluating uh, the jobs you're going to talk to, or might talk to about people. Uh, do, do you have a geographic area? Do you have, uh, you know, what are your concerns in that way? Because I mean, it's a concern. You might have family uh, obligations in this area because you've been here so long. So how does that work? Yeah, I, I think it's a case by case basis. I mean, I, I think in this, yeah, I, I've been lucky in this business. Most people are, kind of nomads and you're, you're going wherever the next job takes you to some degree. Um, but I, I think more and more, you know, I think more and more is, is, is I'm, I'm seeing kind of a little bit, the evolution of coaches. I think more guys are kind of being like, like I've been in terms of more honed in geographically. Cause I think recruiting, you know, again, if you're a Duke, Kentucky, you go, you go wherever, but I think most schools now, have kind of found their regional little niche of recruiting. So, you know, uh, again, for, for me to try to get involved in a Midwest job when I, I haven't, I don't really have the, the high school connections, the JUCO prep school, I'm not really known out there. It's difficult. You know, I think more and more it's just become a, a regionalized now again you know porter moser goes to oklahoma it doesn't matter you know that's a national school but i i think most you know the 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 mid to low d1 levels are are, have become much more regionalized so for me yeah i i i still want to stay on the east coast i mean at this point in my life to to pick up and move cross country now again you know john shire calls me tomorrow I'm, i'm on a plane to to Raleigh Durham, but you know, I know that's not happening, but yeah, I think it's, again, you're, you, in this business, it's not always good, but you definitely revert 
to at times what you're comfortable with. And for me, yeah, it's New York, New Jersey areas, my, my kind of comfort level and, you know, who I know, those are my contacts. So those are people that, you know, I can walk into a gym and I think have pretty instant credibility from a recruiting standpoint. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's at this point and I'm going to kind of reinvent the wheel. You're not going to coach at University of Wyoming. Probably not. No, probably not. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I would look good in cowboy boots uh, and, a, and a hat. So pro- probably not. I don't know. We might have a little bit of fun with the Photoshop. Once yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you never know. Uh, you know, coach, you you've been in college basketball several different stops, been a head coach. Uh, what is it really? I've had this discussion with 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 a lot of guys. What is it about college basketball that just has you wanting to stay in college basketball? Ooh, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, there's just, there's a rhythm about it. There's a, there's a, you know, it's, it's kind of like you get on this treadmill when you're young and, you know, it's, it's tough to get off. Um, you know, again, I, th- I do think there, there's the familiarity with it. There's a comfort level with it. There's a routine to it. You know, you, you kind of know, based on the calendar month, kind of what, what it looks like, you know, you, you know, okay, generally, you know, my May, May and June are a little different than they've ever been before, but usually May, okay. It's things slow down. You can catch your breath. Kids are home before they come back to summer school. Okay. Late June, you're starting to come back. You know, July is a crazy month. Obviously you have kids on campus, summer school, recruiting August slows down and then it starts right up again. So it, I don't know, for me, it's just, I mean, it does become kind of your lifestyle to a large degree. And it, it's, you know, I think it, it, it's every day is different in college. And again, I, I know there's a million jobs like that, but college coaching every day is different every year. Your, your group is different. Your team changes, the people you're working with change. I, so I think, as much as I'm saying there's a consistency to it, there, there is always a change that makes it new, you know, and e- even the returning group that you have, those kids have changed. You know, those kids are another year more mature, another year in your system, just another year maturing as, as young adults and, and changing. So I, I think it's a, it's a constantly evolving um, group that you're around. And I think that's a big thing. You're just, you're around the group, you know, you're, you're, you're with a team. I mean, like, you know, is, is, you know, we're all kids playing sports, like being with your team or some of the the greatest memories you have. Okay. When you're an adult, most people, they don't have that anymore. You know, they, they go, they have a normal nine to five job and they work a normal job and, and they don't, you know, they don't have that dynamic in their life. And I think as a coach, you, you, you know, you're, you're probably, I guess, like deep, deep psychological thinking it's that you're probably reverting back to your childhood that, you know, that those were some of the happy moments of your life. But I don't know, for me, it's just like, I, I can't see myself doing anything else. I don't want to do anything else, but I couldn't see myself really doing anything else. And I, I think most coaches who are in it for again, like myself and, and, and obviously guys older, you know, the, the Jim Bayheims and coach K's and Izzo's, it's like, it's what we know. It's what we, you know, enjoy. And I, I say it all the time. Like I've, I've never, 
I've never felt like I've had a real job and I've never, I don't wake up feeling, Oh man, I got to go to work today. It's like, wow, I get to go to work today. I get to, I get to go coach for a couple hours and, you know, hopefully, you know, interact with kids. And that's, that's one of, and, and, and it's even more confirmed for me now. Cause I know like a week ago, I put a thing on Twitter and Facebook and, and the response that, I mean, it was like overwhelming. I did it probably five o'clock last Sunday. And for three or four hours, when my phone just was out of control with notifications. You know, I didn't read them all. I couldn't get through them all. I, I probably spent two or three hours the other day and responded to everyone, either Twitter or Facebook. But I mean, kids I coached in high school, former players, kid, you know, like the messages of, you know, like, wow, like things that we did when you coach me, I'm doing my children now helping. I mean, it was mind blowing. It was really like overwhelming the amount of um, support, texts, phone calls, you know, um, head coaches in the league reaching out uh, people, you know, just a variety of levels of just, and that's why we do it. Like that you hope you're making, you know, a connection with a kid that's, that's not a two or three or four year thing. It's, you know, hopefully it's a lifetime connection. And I think that's, I think that's why we all get into coaching at some point in our lives. And, you know, I think being a college coach where there is, you know, turnover and transition every year and kids are just, they, they go on and do great things in their lives. But the, it, I, again, I think you just go back to like being part of a team is, is such a special thing. And I don't know. That's, that's a big part of why I do it. I think. Hey coach, I, I love all of that. And you, I believe you did say that about not having to really work a day in your life. The last time you were on the show with us. And yeah. I'd love to hear that coming from you again. And I, I'm, I'm reminded we're efforting to, to get the Georgia tech, football strength and conditioning coach this is a basketball podcast but we're reaching out to lewis corrala who put something on twitter late may early june um that i think we retweeted from our account but basically the difference between a coach and a difference maker and a difference maker is what you're talking about is a person that has coached somebody but then is just saying hey this is the start of our relationship i'm with you for the rest of your life you know and 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 that's one of the things that I walked into the USC uh, University of South Carolina team camp the other day and, you know, I'm in an athletic administration, but I walked in and there was just, there were coaches that I've known for 20 years and I just felt, oh, I just felt at home. I was like, wow, yeah. and I love my job, but there's something about just echoing what you're talking about, walking into a gym, knowing pretty much everybody in there. And even if you don't know them, it's just, Hey coach, Hey coach, how's it? Hey coach. There's this feeling of belonging, uh, in, in that coaching profession. And then, like you say, just to be able to have an impact on kids wherever they are in their life. I just, I just, I just love all that. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that, that is, I mean, you, you said it perfectly. Like you walk into a gym and it's just like, yeah, I, I belong there. Like this is, I don't know, you know, unless you do it, it's really difficult to describe to someone. If you do it, you know what it feels like, you know what it looks like, you know what it, the gym smells like, the noise, the sound, and it's just, it's kind of who, you know, we all are to some level. That's really funny because someone asked me recently, they're like, a teacher that I work with was like, why do you coach? And I'm like, I guess you don't get it. Like, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, exactly. I don't mean to foreshadow bad things for you, coach, but um, you talked about you're going to go to some recruiting events, keep yourself out there. Uh, you know, if 
a month or so goes by, it doesn't look like anything's really working out. Do you, uh, we had, I've known some people uh, most famously, or not famously, but when I first started coaching, uh, we worked with um, Jeremy Shiat, the son of Larry Shiat, who coached mm-hmm. Clemson and Wyoming. And, and he got let go of Clemson and he didn't take a job that next year. And he said it was such a great year to reflect on everything. And he went around, he spent some time with our team. He, you know, went and saw other coaches. He went and saw Coach Donovan, who he wound up getting in with and then eventually getting a job down there. And uh, do you, have you sort of mapped out a little bit of a plan of what you might do if, if nothing really works out or pans out? Um, you're, no, welcome, I, you're welcome at Saddlebrook practice anytime. <laughs> I'll take you up on that. I, you know, no, I mean, that, that would be something I'd want to do. Um, I, I was able, excuse me, I was able when I was with the New York Liberty, actually, because again, the seasons, the timing is different. I was able to go around and see a lot of practices, which was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish, I wish my bank account was more where I didn't have to worry about it. And I would definitely <laughs> do that if I couldn't get a job, but no, I mean, that, that is definitely something kind of in my mind, even this summer, if, if things don't work out, I, I'm, I'm hopeful to do that of just, go see summer school workouts, you know, when, when they're in summer school, what are they doing then? And just, yeah, just again, being in the gym and just um, networking and still be, you know, again, I, I, I'm a big believer in like, you just got to be seen. And cause again, it, this profession, if you're off people's radars, like, you know, everyone's in their own little worlds and everyone's obsessed with their own job and their own team. And if people aren't seeing you, you know, again, I, I can get, all these great phone calls and texts and messages on social network. But, you know, in, in, in a week, it's, uh, yeah, hope he gets a job, but what's, what's next, you know, in terms of the guys who are with their teams, you know, who do I have to recruit what's going on with our team with summer school, et cetera. So, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I want to be visible, but still, you know, if I need to use this opportunity to learn and get better and, and, and see, you know, see how people do things. I mean, I, I can learn as much from you watching your team as someone else's team, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not caught up in what level. I just, yeah, I want to be active and visible and learn and, and network. And, you know, I, I just, I think, again, that's, as a college coach, I was talking before, you get into this routine and, and you're never really able to kind of take a deep breath and pause and collect yourself. It's always, what's the next thing? What's, who's the next kid I got to text or where are we going recruiting or dealing with your own kids, uh, the logistics and the paperwork. All right. Is everyone accepted? Is everyone eligible? Does everyone have a room? You know, is the final transcript sent in? So, I mean, it who, never, who didn't stopped. pay their parking tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Is <laughs> the kids deposit in, you know, it's, it's, it just never ends. So, Sometimes, you know, that that's probably the only positive that will come of this is you can, okay, take a deep breath and, and kind of, all right, what's what's the next step? And, and you can do both. You can do that while you're still trying to get a job. And, you know, you just you just have to put yourself in position to um, hopefully get an opportunity. 
Coach, the state of the game, obviously, I think it's changed a lot since we talked uh, six weeks ago, however long it's been. Um, what is oh – boy, how, how do I ask this question? Obviously, the transfer portal. I love uh, Rothstein. The, 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 the transfer portal breaks for no one. He tweets that about every day. Um, so the transfer portal, the name, image, likeness stuff that's coming down the pike um, – what, uh, I, I guess just give us your thoughts on the state of the game, how much is changing, how much is, how much more is going to change and what maybe the coach's role will be when, as, as things, as things change. Yeah, that's no, a good question. You know, I, I think from a coach's perspective, I think the guys who are complaining about it are, are kind of getting caught, you know, in the dust, like you can't complain about it. This is, this is reality. We, we may not like it, but we have to adapt and be flexible and adjust and learn on the fly and figure it out. And again, it's different for every school. I mean, you know, probably 80, 90 percent of schools, the name image likeness isn't going to have any effect on the program. I mean, the mid to low major schools. I don't think it's going to have any bearing. It's, you know, the power of the power five conferences in the Big East you know, the Mountain West school, you know, those, those league, I don't know, there's probably eight or 10 leagues that it may have a bearing upon and, and may have an influence. And again, I don't know how that's going to work out. Cause I, I think like everything, you know, rules, laws, whatever are passed. And there's so many un, unintended consequences that people haven't thought out to a, to a higher degree. Um, I, I think, again, the smart ones, the smart schools, the smart coaches, the smart athletic departments are going to figure it out. I mean, to me, if I'm a coach, I'm figuring out I'm why if I'm a high level school, I'm watching Kentucky. I'm watching what John Calipari does because that guy's going to figure it out. I mean, he's been ahead of the curve on everything. One and done NBA, you know, like I'm watching him. And, and seeing how he adapts to it and how he adjusts. The transfer portal thing is here to stay. I mean, you know, the, the NCAA probably, I don't know, four or five years ago really got into the concept of the kid, and, and rightfully so, that the, the student-athletes have more of a voice and have more of a say and have more power. And, you know, they've given – the kids, the power at, at every NCAA meeting, there's always a student athlete group. So, you know, again, it's here to stay. It's not changing. It's not going backwards. It's going to, it's, I don't know when they're going to pass it, but the, the one-time transfer, and maybe I might be mistaken. They may have already passed that, but the one-time transfer where there's no, I know this year was different with the pandemic, but that's going to occur where you can just transfer whenever you want. And, and it's been made easier for the kids to transfer you know, they can basically go online and speak to their compliance director and it's paperwork and you're done. Um, so it, it's here to stay. I, I think I turn around the other way, I think, is as, as coaches, as institutions, as athletic departments, we have to figure out how do we do a better job. Again, now I'm talking more of the lower level, mid and low level D1 and D2. How do we make the kids' experience so good that they don't want to leave? You know, that's that's the thing. like the high level schools. Now, again, kids are transferring, no question, but they're they're making 
all, all the peripheral things that kids are getting caught up in the, the locker rooms, the uniforms, the charters, the training tables, they're making lateral moves in that regard because everyone's got a great locker room. Everyone at the high majors chartering now, everyone's got incredible weight rooms and gear and uniforms and training table after practice. So I just think it puts pressure on the school. And I think in a good way, let's figure out how do we make our situation better? And, and, and that's what I'm thinking of. I'm an athletic director or an administrator. Like we have to figure out how, again, limited resources, lower budgets, how are we making it where these kids can't leave? Cause every meeting you're in with people from admissions and, and the, the administrative side of colleges, that's their biggest concern is retention because they don't want kids coming in and then transferring and taking their money elsewhere. They want you to be there for four years. So I think the schools have figured that out from an admission standpoint and the general student population standpoint. Now I think athletics and coaches and teams have to figure that out. You know, how are we treating the kids? Are we treating them properly? You know, are we getting them the, the most out of our budget that we can do where, where they feel like they're being, because they all talk to each other. You know, the kids are always posting stuff on social media, pictures, and here's the locker room. And, you know, it, it, kids, kids figure it out quickly. Like, what? wait a minute, like this school in our league is doing this and we're not. And now you're, you're seeing it. It used to be transfer within a league. You had to sit a year and lose a year of eligibility. Now most of the leagues are going to root of you. Can, I know the Big East did it the other day. You can transfer within the league and not sit and not lose a year. So I, I think it's a good thing. It puts pressure on the schools to, you know, we got to do a better job and, and make this experience because we all talk in the recruiting presentations and conversations and home visits and school visits. We all talk about may uh, this is going to be a great experience for you. Great experience. And then the kids get there and it's like, Oh, wait, you were telling me this. And it's, it's not quite that. And if I see down the road, I can, I can be in a better spot. I'm going to take that. Cause again, the loyalty aspect is kind of out the window. You know, kid kids are, you, you see it in high schools, you see it on the AAU circuit. I mean, you can go in the summer, the first week, and see a kid on XYZ AAU team, and week two he's on ABC team, and week three he's on another team. So <laughs> there, there's there's no you know the the loyalty aspect of sports is 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 shrinking. Um, so yeah, I just think again, you you better do a really good job of figuring out how you're treating these kids and making them want to come back and not leave. Yeah. I think it's, you're right. It's changing so much and I'm with you. I don't think it's just a bad thing. It's, it's happening here in South Carolina with, uh, honestly within our district, kids have been able to just transfer pretty much uh, whenever they want. Now it's about to get a little bit more difficult next year, but they'll still be able to do it uh, if, if they really want to. Um, but it puts the onus on us as a, for me as an administrator and coaches to, to, to make our programs, to make it a great experience, to take our kids to events and everything to where they, like you say, they want to come back. It's almost like you're recruiting your own kids 
but it's made us raise our game uh, from a, a, a even a marketing level of social media. We better make sure we're out there because parents and kids, they're looking, they're, they're looking to, and who can fault them for wanting the best for their kid? Like, that's right. great. So we're, Hey, we're going to be here to try to do the best we can uh, for your kids. So I, I, I think you're, I think you're on to a lot of things. I want to jump in there before the great Chris de Blasio jumps in with another question. Well, I did want to jump in with something coach had mentioned earlier about uh, looking at what Kentucky's doing and, and with, you know, again, not, it's going to sound bad because you used the Kentucky example, not breaking rules, but looking for the loopholes in rules or, or, and I remember reading a thing about 10 years ago about how Nick Saban was the first football coach that started using Skype because it didn't, there was no policy in place for it. So they weren't violating any rules. And well, I mean, I mean, Nick Saban's record speaks for itself, I think (laughs) in recruiting. So he was using Skype to recruit before anyone even thought about using it. Um, but coach, as you go forward here, we, we talked about your journey in, in trying to find a job and uh, maybe somebody's listening, but what is the one main thing you try to sell somebody on? We're going to go third person here on Bruce Hamburger when, when you talk to them about a job. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, I, you hope that you're your background, your work kind of speaks for itself, your reputation. You know, to me, I I think, again, uh, you know, I I think I'm really loyal to the profession and and just do things the right way. And I think, again, I think that's something I've, I've, I was fortunate with guys I worked with and for when I was young that kind of instilled that upon me. And I was able to see how they interacted and, and what the business was like. So I, I think you're getting someone who's, um, again, does it the right way, so to speak. And, and, you know, you, you just like to think, I don't know, your, your kind of your record speaks for itself. I mean, I think every, every situation you, you interview for or meet with someone, dictates kind of what you're selling about yourself. You know, obviously if it's a job in New Jersey, New York area, I'm really hitting on, Hey, I don't think you're going to find another coach. And I I strongly believe this in America who has the contacts and connections in New Jersey and New York that I have over the years from a recruiting standpoint. Um, I just think it's important in this business. You You just conduct yourself the right way. And you, you just, you know, hopefully, again, your, rep, your reputation precedes you. You know, when people, when, when someone hears your name, that's your thought. Hey, I, you know what? Guy's a good coach. He's a good guy. He does it the right way. Um, you know, and, and I, I just think it's a business. And again, you know, uh, I was fortunate, as I said, for who I was around when I was young. You just, I don't know, you treat people the right way. And you know what? Uh, a high school coach who calls you, and you know he doesn't have a player for you. You still return the guy's call. Is I, I got so many texts and and social media things last week from people just kind of saying that, like, oh, I met Coach at a hoop group event, and he spent time with me, and he didn't know who I was, and I was a young D three guy, and you know I was the third volunteer assistant, and blah blah blah, and and you know spend time talking like. That was great to hear. I mean, I knew it, but it's nice when 
you hear it and people acknowledge it that, yeah, you know what, it, it, to me, it's, it's just doing the right thing. Like I don't do it and talk to that guy and say, Oh, that's the right thing to do. It's just, that's how you're supposed to treat people. But it's nice when you kind of get some confirmation that it's meaningful to people. Cause again, if you call me on a player and I don't respond to you and all of a sudden, you know, four years from now, you, you, you got a kid that we want and I call you, you're going to remember, I never responded to you. And then I, I look like a full boy. I'm only going to talk to you when you have a player. I mean, and there are, guys, there are more guys that do it that way, unfortunately, in this profession, as, as you both well know. But to me, it's just, again, like, I, I don't know. It's just you treat people the right way and you, 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 don't, you don't do it because it's going to help you. You just do it because it's right. So I, I, I think, again, as a coach, it's all about, again, be it players, high school coaches, college. It's just relationships and being a good guy and treating people the right way. And um, you, you hope that's kind of what people think about you. And it, and it comes back to help you when you need it, you know, like now, yeah, I, I, I need people to think that about me. I think, I think people do. Um, but that's, yeah, that, that's kind of just the way I think the business should be, you know, and, and the way coaches, cause you, you guys know too, you, you go, it's like when you're at the final four, you know, you're in the lobby, you're talking to someone that you think, you know, one of your guys or a friend and, you know, you're, you're, you're face to face. And, and there's the concept I'm doing and now, like the look over the shoulder, like who's the next guy I can talk to in the gym or, you know, and, and you see it recruiting, you know, you're in a gym where there's four coaches, that guy might have a hour conversation when you watch in the game, but if there's 50 coaches, he's looking around to see who we can go talk to. So I, I've, I've never wanted to be that guy. I just, you know what, if I'm standing next to you in a game recruiting, I'm going to talk to you. If, uh, you know, if, if you call me, even again, if I know the kid you're calling about is not good enough, I'm still going to have that conversation. I'm still going to, you know, watch a video you send me and give you an evaluation. Just be honest. And cause again, uh, you know, like, I mean, who am I not to treat someone the right way? And you, you hope, you get that back when you, when you need it. Coach, you just reminded me and you said the term a couple of times, good guy. Um, you know, we all like to think we're good people. Uh, but I remember watching a documentary that ESPN did about 10 years ago on the Mannings. Um, and Archie Manning was talking about when his, he had gotten a scholarship to Ole Miss and, and his dad was driving him to college and said, uh, you know, he was kind of just asking advice and his dad said, yeah, I don't really care if you're great at football. He goes, I just want you to be a good guy. And, and Archie then said, that's what I tried to tell my kids when they were big time recruits and stuff. If you want to go play college football, that's great, but I'm more interested in you becoming a good person. And I mean, that family has modeled that, yeah. I think. hundred percent. Cause it's so important this business. I mean, like, like, I don't know, like we're all like, we're all stealing money. Like we're college coaches. <laughs> like, come on, like seriously, like this is what we do. Like, don't, don't be a jerk. Just be, be a good person and, and treat people the right way. And hopefully again, when it's your turn to be treated the right way, people will do that to you. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, um, I don't know. I know it's a simplistic thought and it's, it probably sounds easier than it is, but it really isn't that hard. It's just, again, like, Someone sends you text, return their text, return their phone call, return their email. They, you may, you know, it might be, hey, you know what? Like, Chris, your guy ain't good enough. You know, like, I, here's, here's, 
here's where I think he can play. You want me to help you? I'll call some of these people. And that's all it is. And then, you know, and, and what's going to happen is, and again, not the intent, but you're going to say that to five other people about me. You know what? Like he, he did it the right way. He, he, he said my guy wasn't good enough, but, and I think that's how you kind of get a reputation. And I think that's what I've, you know, I, and, and this goes back to when I was an assistant at Seton Hall, we used to have a million high school coaches work our camp. So, and, and I was paying them all. So they all loved me because I was paying them to work camp, but I, I was able to just establish so many relationships with coaches where I wasn't recruiting their players. They didn't hear any, the only thing bad they heard from me is like, why were you late to attendance in the morning? Or, or you know, where were you when you were supposed to ref or, you know, Hey, you're supposed to do bed check at night. Where, where the hell are you at 11 o'clock? You're, you're out in a, in a local bar somewhere instead of being in the dorm but they never heard anything bad from me. So I, I was able to develop so many relationships in a really positive way that have helped me, you know, in a long career from the recruiting standpoint of, again, I could pick up a phone and, and have credibility. A coach would call me. I think they know they would get an, they would get a call back. They would get an honest answer from me. And, you know, I, I think that's, I, I just, I, I hope young guys figure that part out in this business because it's so much of, I don't know. They're just, again, they're, the, they're that guy at the final four looking over the shoulder, like who's the next guy I can talk to instead of having a, a, a one-to-one conversation in that moment with that person. Apparently you've worked at camp with Brian Rosefield because that sounded like uh, what Brian was like at camp. Where were you <laughs> for the game? You missed, you know, you missed right. the morning attendance. Well, you must have been out late. I'll, I'll go back to that part that uh, Coach was talking about earlier in the show about the real the story getting Bruce out there. The real story. No, because no, I'll shout you out on the air that one of our last camps, I had to track you and Barry down to get the gym open. Basketball. This is an I will clearly edit that part. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that's what the young guys are missing in this profession now. The days of working summer camps. Bounce around eight weeks to different places and be up for 15 hours a day and i mean you know like you just figure out like how how to survive and how to have a how to coexist and how to coach a kid that thinks that you've never seen before and you're never going to see again after friday afternoon but make make the kids experience even that i mean just to share with you i got a facebook message the other day from a guy who's basketball he he's like a cbs broadcaster pretty pretty like high level guy and he he and again not a guy i'm friends with by any stretch but he sent me a note that hey you you were my coach in 1985 at the villanova basketball camp and i was bitching at the refs and you told me to shut up and play and i had a great like like stuff like that from a million years ago that i have no recollection i know who the guy is now and i see him every blue moon at games and he remembered that enough to take the time to, to send me a note. It was great. And, and that, that's kind of, you know, I feel bad for the young coaches in today's world who, who, you know, are 25 and want to be the associate head coach right away and the top <laughs> assistant. And they haven't kind of gone through that process. And you guys know you work camp. I mean, that's, that was such a learning experience for coaches. One, you just figured out how to coach and all right, here's my station. Here's my team. All right. I, I, you know, I, I, you just figure it out. I, I, I feel bad that the young guys in the business today don't really have those experiences and the relationships that, 
you, you have with guys that, that last for 30, 35 years. Um, and you go back and, and obviously you got stories that are incredible stories to tell, you know, when you get older that are just, you know, hilarious and, and just funny, just great times. I mean, those, those are some of the best memories I have of being a young coach of either working camp or when I ran the camp at Seton Hall for a large number of years. And even now, I mean, I'm like Michael Malone, the Denver Nuggets coach worked our camp and literally moved baskets and filled up Gatorade. <laughs> and the guys in that Lawrence Frank is, uh, you know, GM or whatever Lawrence's title with the Clippers. I mean, same thing. Like they, they didn't even coach. They were literally moving baskets and filling up Gatorade and collecting the balls at the end of the day and just figured out the, the business of coaching. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, those, you talk about the stories, and Chris, I, I do remember that uh, that night and that morning. Those were, uh, I'd like to think I'm a little bit different man, but you know, we always uh, are now than uh, than I was then. But but you're right, Coach Hamburger. Just those those memories. I mean, that day. Uh, I mean, just to be truthful with you, we were a little bit banged up that next morning from the <laughs> night before, and uh, we were officiating team camp games and. Uh, Ran a three-man crew for for the officials. Uh, for, you know, we we were officiating, uh, but we did not move. We had one person on one baseline. <laughs> I was at half court, and the other person on the other baseline because we just we couldn't move. We were just, yeah. just, uh, <laughs> hey, at least at least you were there, though. They didn't have to track you out of the dorms and, and find you. So at least, right. at least you showed up. That's right. But but those, those memories will uh, last a lifetime, and I think just to echo. Uh, what you've said all throughout your two episodes now and just getting to know you, uh, the things that will never go out of style, the things that will never change, you know, name, image, likeness, that may change and the transfer portal may change, but the relationships that, that you've built uh, and those, those skills that you bring, but it's not just a skill. I know it's just you as a person that'll never change. And that'll always uh, help coaches as they move forward, no matter what, what their situation is. And we wish you Nothing but the best uh, in this transition time for you. And we know that you're going to land on your feet and to continue to do great things. And we just appreciate you coming back and sharing your wisdom with our listeners and with us too. It's been really great to have you back, Coach. Yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate it. Hopefully next time you can announce me at XYZ School and uh, we we can talk new experiences. But no, I, 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 it's great what you guys do. And I uh, I appreciate you having me on again. Well, it's our, it's our pleasure, and you're right. We'll have you back, and like I said, we'll start that leaderboard and get you in the first place, and uh, you know we'll just keep having you back and having you back. But until that time, I'll go ahead and wrap it up for this one. But for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.